Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2102. You ready to get your Zengen on? <laughs> be prepared to be inspired. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars. Yeah, today I'm in Houston, Texas, with a very special guest by the name of Fran Christopher. Fran, welcome to Cars. Yeah, do you have any gear? And are you ready to release the clutch? Oh, I'm, I'm ready. What I should say, are you ready to test the oil? Because we're going to be talking uh, a lot of technology today and what's going on the inside of your automotive engine. But before we start that and I give Fran a proper introduction, I'd love to know one little thing about you that maybe most people don't know. Well, Mark, you know, I don't have a lot of hidden talents, but <laughs> I do have some interesting life experiences. Okay. And one that I'm willing to share is that in high school, you know, I became quite rebellious. I grew up in a very strict Eastern European household and uh, went to an all-girl Catholic school. And I just was tired of having to stay home all the time. So I decided one day to run away from home. Oh, my gosh. I know. And I stayed away from home for six weeks. Whoa. And, uh, That's yeah, major run away from home. Yeah. So I had some adventures, you know, both good and bad. Yeah. Um, but I was safe. I had a roof over my head. And, um, you know, what I ended up learning is that I could survive on my own. I'd be okay once I actually left home for good, which I did as soon as I graduated. Wow. I mean, that's a pretty, uh, your parents must have been freaking out. I don't know. Yeah, yeah maybe. <laughs> it was, it, it, there's a lot of backstory to yeah. why, so. Yeah, no, I understand. You know, it's interesting. I grew up in a rather strict home, and uh, for me, I guess the guidelines and the guardrails made some sense. Yeah, sometimes when you constrain people and they have that wild, adventurous <laughs> attitude, uh, that can be a bit strangling, and they, they need to open up. So as a parent, that's a very delicate balancing act, right? Yeah, especially for somebody that was a little strong-willed and independent. So. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Well, we're going to learn more about this very interesting career that you have. Fran Christopher is a U.S. Director for Oil Condition Monitoring for SGS, the leading testing, inspection, certification, and verification company in the world. As part of her role at SGS, she has been one of the key team members responsible for the development and deployment of Zengen, a consumer-friendly engine diagnostic service. You've heard me talking about Zengen here on Cars Yeah, and I've used their services. We're going to talk about that today in my experience. She's been in the oil condition monitoring business for over 40 years, working with a wide range of companies to optimize their fluid and analysis and equipment reliability programs. Fran has held a variety of positions, including data diagnostics, customer relations, key account management, sales and marketing and operational planning and management. She's a certified oil monitoring analyst. Very cool. We'll be back in just a moment to learn more about Fran, but first a word from our valued sponsor. So give them a little love. Better yet, give them a little business and we'll be right back. My friends at Covercraft offer you 10 different options. That's right, 10 for your vehicle's protection. You can choose from WeatherShield HP, HD, Sunbrella, Ultratect, Reflect, FormFit, 
custom view shield and their newest five-layer all-climate cover, three-layer moderate climate cover, and a five-layer indoor option. You have all sorts of ways to protect your car. All of these are custom tailored by Covercraft's talented craftspeople. It's the form and fit with the quality to attention to detail that's been their standard since 1965. Surface protection is the best way to preserve the investment you've made in your vehicles. It's what I do. Covercraft protects cars, trucks, motorcycles, RVs, trailers, and watercraft too. I have a Covercraft cover for every one of my vehicles, and I've got a deal for you. If you use the code YEAH21, Y-E-A-H-21, at Covercraft.com, they'll give you 10% off your order, plus you get free shipping. That's right, 10% off and free shipping. Just use the code YEAH21 at checkout. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. After listening to Cars Yeah, a buddy of mine ordered his custom Zengen oil analysis kit, and boy, is he glad he did. He thought his 10-year-old car was doing just fine. However, when he got his online Zengen score, the inner workings of his car engine told a very different story. His score was a 5 out of 10, and he learned a major repair was imminent. He shared his report with his mechanic and learned, well, he was facing a $7,000 rebuild. Maybe it's time to sell. Wouldn't you like to know what's lurking under your hood? At only $39.95 and free shipping both ways, your Zengen oil analysis kit is less than an oil change. It takes less than five minutes to collect your vehicle's sample and mail it back to their world-class labs. In only five days, Zengen sends you a link via email to your very own Zengen score. Your custom report measures 30 different data points, including contamination, lubricants, metals, additives, and a whole lot more. My buddy was so glad to learn his score and chose the option before a costly rebuild was needed. Go to ZengineScore.com and use the code CARSYA20 and get 20% off your first two kits. Boom! What a deal. Preventative knowledge and maintenance could save you thousands and you'll rest better at night knowing that your engine's condition is A-OK or maybe needs some help. And remember, Zengen also makes a spectacular gift. That's ZengineScore.com and use the code CARSYA20 for 20% off today. Zengen, you'll rest better at night. Last year, I changed my collector car coverage to American Collectors Insurance. That's who now protects my Porsche Turbo, the one I call my Orange Crush. But did you know they also insure your valuable collections of automobilia and other collectibles? If you're like me, you've invested in a lot of cool collectibles over the years. Those items are valuable. And if you were to lose them in a theft or a fire, well, try to get your normal homeowner's insurance to pay you what they're worth. Good luck with that. American Collectors Insurance provides you with assurance and confidence that your collectibles are fully covered. They insure a lot of items, including automobilia, wine, baseball cards, books, figurines, die-cast models, model trains, glassware, sports memorabilia, toys, and a whole lot more. American Collectors Insurance, they've been protecting us enthusiasts since 1976. They provide you with an agreed value insurance policy backed by a long history of taking care of their clients. Give them a call today for your personal agreed value quote at 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866-224-9324. Tell them you're a friend of mine, Mark Green's here at Cars Yeah. American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. Automotive enthusiasts just like you and me. That's American Collectors Insurance. 
So, Fran, let's uh, stick the dipstick a little deeper and get that oil out of there and learn a little bit more about this. But first, I want to learn a little bit more about your background because you've chosen to go into a very technical industry and a very pinpoint industry, if you will, in many ways. But it sounds like you've also been involved in a lot of different positions, as I mentioned in your intro. So how did you get into this business and why was it so intriguing for you? Well, first of all, it was a complete accident. Um, you know, as, as I mentioned, you know, I left home right out of high school and um, I needed to find a full-time job. So there was a clerical position open and um, it was a full-time job. So I applied, got the job, and it ended up being an oil analysis laboratory. That was um, back in Cleveland, Ohio in 1982. We didn't even have computers back then. So everything was done on cards. You know, we filled them in, typed up, typed on them, yeah. pulled them when the new sample came in, filed them away at the end of the day. So just a lot of clerical work. You know, it's interesting. You think back to 1982 and for, in my brain, that doesn't seem that long ago. I know. You say things like we didn't have computers or cell phones, really. I mean, some people carried around those brick sized cell phones with a suitcase and a battery in it. But I'm like, Wait, 82, that was a while ago. I mean, almost 40 years ago. So, yeah, wow. It was, in, it was interesting because I did get promoted into the accounting department. Um, so I did the billing. And that's when we got our first Radio Shack computer. <laughs> and these floppy disks were literally like... 12 by 12. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's so funny how far we've come. You look at these little cell phones we carry now and the magic that they can do. It's like, wow, what's the next 40 years going to hold? So how did you go from the clerical position to a very technical analyst position? I mean, did you end up going back to school to study or get degrees or how did you evolve into this? Because you've got a very uh, technologically uh, challenging, I guess it would be for me at least, business uh, mind. Yeah, it was, you know, just a lot of years, a lot of um, promotions, um, taking on different types of responsibilities, a lot of on-the-job learning. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I did have a mentor, you know, that encouraged me to go back to school. So um, I went to school at night, but I went for sales and marketing. So I really wanted to be more on the client side of this business. Um, So I didn't have to be overly scientific and overly technical, but I did know how to diagnose the samples. That was one of the jobs that I held for about five years. Um, So I learned how to evaluate the data, look at the trends, understand the different types of components that we tested. Because most of of what we were doing was industrials. They're gearboxes, hydraulic systems, turbines, things along that line, big diesel engines, over-the-road trucks. So understanding the different wear um, limits for each of those types of components and you know, just learned a lot on the job. But like like I said, um, I did go to college at night. It took me nine years, but I did end up getting a degree in um, sales and marketing. Well, good for you. That's awesome. I, I love the story. Well, Zenjin, I found incredibly interesting. And I had Matt Spurlock from the company uh, on the show. Gosh, it's been a little bit while now. But when I learned what you guys were doing, I went, you know, this is pretty cool. This is kind of like a car fax for the inside of the car, the inside of the engine versus bodywork or things that were repaired and so forth. And so I took a, a dive and I bought a couple of kits, had my wife's car tested and my BMW M3 tested and got the reports back. And I wanted to touch on this a little bit because I know you have those reports in front of you and I found them pretty fascinating. Now, I'll start with my wife's X5. We bought that car new 
18 years ago. So yep. it's got 151, I think 150,000 miles when we tested it, something like that. And it came back with a, a really wonderful score of 10, which is the best you can get, right? Right. I mean, according to what we said, you read to Zengen Nirvana. So that was a perfect score. And actually for a car that's, you know, a 2004, um, it's very, very clean. And you had over 6,000 miles on the oil. So, you know, if there was something in there, we would have uh, seen, you know, if there was any abnormal wear or some kind of contaminant. Yeah, well, here's one of the things, and, you know, the reason I believe that car, number one, that era of BMW, the E53 X5, has a very robust inline six. Now, at the time, I wanted to buy the V8, but it was more expensive, and I'm glad I didn't because I've heard that those cars have more issues. This car's bulletproof. It's been a wonderful car. You know, we use it as my wife uses it as a daily driver. And I, I was very relieved because we're at a point with this car with the miles and the years where I was thinking, well, maybe there's something coming that could, I don't know what's coming and this could tell me, or can we just get some more life out of this thing, which is what we hope to do, especially right now with the cost of new cars and used cars. So Zengen did give me Nirvana. I'll tell you yeah. that, you know? Well, I mean, if nothing else, your engine is in really good shape. Yeah, so. well, the rest of the car is too. If you follow me on social media, I just had the car paint corrected and ceramic coated. And I mean, the car, people look at it and they think, there's no way this car is 18 years old. Now, Jill, my wife, is very good with it. She knows I like to take care of vehicles. Now, let's talk about my M3, though, because that car has a lot less miles. But it didn't come back with the perfect score. But I believe I know what's going on. So talk a little bit about that one. I think it was a 9.3? 9, 9 9.4. 4, yeah. Um, and, and really, you know, it's not a bad score. It's just that there is a little anomaly between... The oil that you um, said was in there, which was a 10W60, mm-hmm. and the viscosity, which was more in the 50 weight range. Okay. Um, but, you know, it doesn't really show that there is anything um, abnormally wearing. Um, it doesn't show any real abnormal contamination. You know, the wear metals are very low. So it just just that the viscosity is just a little bit lower than it should be. So here's what I think is going on with that car. I Working from home and then you add COVID into it. That car I had driven about 875 miles in a little over two years. Yeah. And so I had not changed the oil in quite probably in three years. And so... I think that what I believe is going on is, as you you know better than me, when, when oil sits in an engine, even if it's not being used, it deteriorates at some point. Is that, am I using the right terminology? Yeah, because I think that, you know, they recommend that you change your oil, you know, it either, you know, within so many miles or at least, you know, on a, on a periodic basis. So right. probably once a year. So you probably should change the oil out anyways. Right. Yeah. I um, mean, even though you haven't driven it for two years. Yeah. Well, which is a shame. Oh, well, well, you know, I commute down the hallway now. I wear out slippers instead of Michelin tires, which is a lot cheaper. And uh, when you add COVID to it with events not going on, I just don't drive the car much. And my wife will tell you on the weekends, if I'm going to Home Depot, whatever, I take her car. I don't want to get my car dirty. So yeah, I don't blame you. <laughs> yeah. So there you go. So I, I think what I'm going to, in fact, I, I know I haven't, I ordered another kit. I'm going to send in another kit. I'm going to be taking my car in to get the oil changed here very soon. They're going to also do uh, brake fluid because, you know, that hasn't been done. And even though the miles are low, uh, a good thing to do. And then I'll do another test after I've driven that car a little bit with the fresh oil. And I'll be real curious to see if I get a little better score. I kind of think I will. 
Yeah, I, I think I think you will. And and really, the score is just saying that there's something, but it's not really anything to worry about. Right. But it's not that 10.0 that you got on the X5. I know, man. Oh, I studied so hard, too. And, and the other thing I want to have you talk a little bit about is there's, I believe, 30 data points that Zengen checks. It's not just viscosity. There's a whole bunch of other things. And I have a good friend that uh, ordered one of your tests after Matt was on the show. And he learned that his older car was uh, probably going to have some serious problems. He took your test to his mechanic and his mechanic said, yeah, these engines, once you get over about 110,000 miles, uh, there's some serious stuff that starts to wear out. And that we're talking maybe an engine rebuild. We're talking maybe seven grand worth of work here. Uh, Maybe time to either think about selling the car Uh, let the next person deal with that issue or do you want to keep the car a lot longer and redo that so it gave him some critical things to think about he chose to sell the car uh, let the next person know yeah it's got these issues so we'll discount the price a bit and go buy a newer car he didn't want to deal with it so again i look at your service as a, a carfax type thing so that you can you know what's coming before it comes so talk a little bit about all these different data points so, so we, it's basically three different areas that we look at. The contamination. Um, so we're looking at things like excessive dirt that might be getting into the oil, like um, if you have you know, insufficient filtration on there. Um, we're looking at um, sodium, potassium, which would be indicative of a coolant leak. You know, you might have a gasket leak or some, some way that the coolant is actually getting into the oil, which is really, really bad. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Head gasket's about to blow. <laughs> yeah. That's probably the worst because that tends to attack the bearings. And so a lot of times if we see coolant, we'll also see abnormal wear metals. Mm. Um, and, and that is indicative of a bearing, bearing failure. Um, also, you know, looking at excessive moisture. Um, and another common one is fuel dilution. Ah, yeah. You know, where you might have a leaky injector and fuel is getting in there, which will thin out the oil in your engine. So the lubrication isn't as good. So it's an important thing to get fixed. So so we have a number of tests that look at specifically um, contamination. And then the second bucket would be the wear metals. So we're looking at things like aluminum, iron, chromium, copper, tin, so on and so forth. And those things, depending on the metallurgy, can tell us if it's a piston, whether it's a bearing, whether it's rings that are starting to fail. And we can pretty much pinpoint if there is an excessive amount of metal, where it's coming from, and, and diagnose you, um, give you a diagnosis to that effect. Yeah, it's, it's really cool. I mean, it, I look at all these things, and, and the way you guys do this report is cool. And for you listeners, we're going to do a little special thing for you here. I've been doing it for the past month. If you order a engine kit and use Cars Yeah 20 as a code, you're going to get 20% off, which is a pretty cool deal. And I suggest you order two kits because most people have more than one car and you can do a little bit of a comparison. So I just wanted to throw that in because uh, I'm going to be doing this update on my car and I'm really curious, but I kind of cut you off there. Keep going on, on all the different reports. Yeah, so so then the third bucket is the lubricant and the additives. So this is the performance of the oil that's in there. Um, And we run a series of tests. Um, Viscosity, of course, being probably the most important property of an oil, you know, making sure that it's within grade. And as I mentioned before, if it, you know, is 
way too low, it could indicate that there's fuel getting in there. If it's too high, you may have overextended the oil drain and it's starting to thicken up and sludge up within mm. your engine. So we give a performance rating. We look at the dispersancy of the oil. And then we also look at the ingredients. Um, every oil has a formulation and typically in an engine oil, you'll see phosphorus, zinc, calcium, um, and, and some other additives, depending on, you know, who you're buying your oil from. And we just make sure that that, you know, formulation looks like what you're saying that the oil is um, and that those additives aren't sharing down. Very, very cool. So I have to ask you this question since you understand oil. I'm, you know, I drive BMWs, so I typically take my car in for service, uh, use the BMW motor oil. I'm at, I think Castrol makes their oil. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I believe so. So. And we won't disperse any brands here, but are do different motor oil companies really make a big difference? Because some people say, oh, well, no, I mean, you don't want to mix synthetic with non-synthetic and things like that. But uh, do they make a difference? I mean, are there oils out there by companies that are substantially better than others? Well, I mean, I, I think that pretty much the formulations, um, because they have to um, adhere to an API standard, mm -hmm. um, they're pretty much, if you're buying from a tier one oil company, one of the majors, yeah. you're going to have a pretty consistent product across the, across the board. So, you know, it's just stuff that might be, you know, a little off brand, you know, might be a little bit questionable, but as long as you're buying it from one of the majors, you're you're in good shape. Absolutely. So for you listeners, this is really cool. What you do is you order the kit, of course, use that code carsya 20 and you'll get a, a nice discount on your first round with them. You get this cool box and what Zengen does, which is great, kind of reminds me of Apple. You get this really cool orange box, you open it and inside is this kit and it's got a little bottle and it's got a vacuum in it with a little valve. You don't want to turn that valve until you're ready and then it has a tube that you put on there now you warm up the engine there's instructions in there it's very easy and then you put the tube down in the dipstick hole and one thing i learned <laughs> because i did my wife's car right but my car i didn't put it all the way in and when i turned the valve of course guess what happened it didn't suck oil out and i'm like oh no you but, know that happened to me the first time i i tried the bottle too <laughs> yeah so what i recommend is when you stick stick that tube down in there put it as far as you can and then pull it out and see if there's oil on the end of it before you turn the little valve but zengen has an option for you because they have this syringe in there which i thought okay i'm gonna have to use the syringe which you take the bottle off and you just suck it into the syringe put it in the bottle so you know, if you goof up like I did on one of my cars, no harm, no foul. You can still do it. And then you mail it back with a self-addressed envelope they have. And about a week later, you get this email and you get your report. And it's so cool because it goes into detail everything that Fran has talked about. It's easy, fast, and again, it just gives you this extra layer of confidence, like when you score a 10, or if you don't score a 10, like my friend that, you know, maybe Chris, you didn't study. <laughs> I'll throw that in because he's listening, but uh, I'm sure he did fine. But again, you just know a little bit more. And when you know more about the inside of your workings of your engine, uh, that's cool. And there's also people there at Zengen, if you want to call and ask questions, that you can do that as well. So everything about what you guys do is just cool. I, I love it. Yeah, it's, it's pretty simple. You know, I'd like to, you know, also, you know, there's a third way to take a sample in case you don't want to use the vacuum bottle and you don't want to use the syringe. You can always take that sample to your mechanic and uh, have them yes. take the, you know, mid drain. Um, so we have instructions or if you change your oil yourself, you can do it that way, too. But the tools make it much, much easier. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You don't even get your yeah. hands dirty. It's really it's and, 
And the one other thing I'd like to, you know, remind your listeners is that before you send that sample and, you know, put that sample in the mail to make sure you register the kit online. Yes, yes. Um, you know, it's kind of like if you take a, you know, your doctor takes your blood sample mm-hmm. and um, just doesn't put any information on it and just <laughs> yeah. sends it to the lab. Yeah. They're not going to know whose blood it is. Um, we have the same situation. So we've had a couple people that have done that and it's really been difficult to try to figure out who that sample actually belongs to. Well, no kidding. Yeah. Oil looks kind of the same when it's in a little bottle, just black stuff. Well, the great thing that Dungeon does is it's all explained. Uh, The recent kits I got even have a piece of paper on the outside of the box that reminds you to do that. It's very easy. There's a number on the bottle. It all lines up and it's really cool. So I I really recommend this. It's at the very least, it's just a fun little process again, to give you a little bit of uh, Zen confidence in the inner workings of your car. We're going to take a short break. Thanks some sponsors here. We come back. I want to talk to you a little bit about challenges. So keep that in mind. We'll be right back. I've teamed up with AutoGeek because, well, they've been the leading source of auto detailing products, accessories for more than 20 years. Their Pinnacle Sovereign Paste Wax is specially formulated from Brazilian Carnuba Wax. It's easy to apply on any paint surface and provides that warm glow that we love, especially me on my vehicles. You're going to love it too. A favorite of car shows countrywide, Pinnacle Sovereign Paste Wax from AutoGeek wipes on easily, requires no drying time, is easy to remove, and provides up to 90 days of protection against damaging environmental contaminants. This wax is designed to exceed the standards of the most discriminating enthusiasts and collectors. Go to autogeek.net to get yours for the best product selection on the internet today, along with their very skilled technical support. Autogeek.net. That's where I go for all my detailing needs. That's autogeek.net. I've discovered Linkage. It's a new quarterly publication and website that covers the automotive market, driving, restoring, collecting, and discovering your passion for motor vehicles. Linkage is about experiences, opinions, and values. Linkage is an actual, informed, reasoned opinion based on first-hand experiences. A talented Linkage team covers the automotive world, the people who share your passion and mine, smart, considered, rational, and experienced opinions, ones you can learn from and grow. That includes our passion that drives auctions and the collector car market. So come with me and join us on this journey. And be sure to use the code CARS YEAH when you subscribe and they'll give you $10 off. Boom! Linkage, geared for the automotive life. Subscribe today at LinkageMag.com. 20, 50, or 100 years from now, will there be a workforce to care for the collector vehicles we love? With auto shop programs disappearing across the country, it's a question we enthusiasts have to ask. That's why I support the RPM Foundation, which exists to ensure that the critical skills necessary to preserve and restore these vehicles aren't lost to time. One of the many ways RPM, which is short for Restoration, Preservation, and Mentorship, is accomplishing this goal is through workforce development initiatives. The RPM Apprenticeship Program enables the next generation of artisans to earn a living while they learn the craft of restoring and preserving these vehicles directly from industry professionals. The Endangered Skills Program documents the process of masters training future craftspeople on a variety of critical skills in danger of being lost forever. 
For more information on how the RPM Foundation is driving the future of the collector vehicle skills trade, visit RPM Foundation today. They're one of the charities of choice here on Cars Yeah. So, Fran, I like to ask what I call the challenge question. This is a big challenge, big failure, something you really had to overcome in your career, but it taught you a really valuable lesson. Maybe that running away from home was that process for you. Uh, Tell us about that experience, but tell us even more importantly, what was a positive lesson learned? So I think, you know, when I think of a huge challenge, um, you know, I kind of go back to when I first started going out and uh, going to trade shows and um, talking about oil analysis, you know, um, representing the company. And, you know, as a young female in a very male dominated business, I needed to have a very thick skin. Mm, Yeah. You know, I had, you know, incidents of harassment and then clients, you know, when they come up to the trade show booth, is there a guy? And I'm saying I have, I have, you know, Uh, air quotes, you know, that they could speak to assuming that I couldn't answer a technical question and other little things like that. But to overcome it, I didn't fight. I didn't argue, just kept learning more, contributing more, um, and eventually developed a reputation in the business. And, you know, also over time, many of the old school people, they've retired. Yep. And also there's a lot more women in the field today. Yeah. You know, I, I've shared this with, with my listeners. My wife, Jill, was under the same situation. She got a degree in mechanical engineering, but got her first job in civil engineering. And that first year or two was a big challenge because she went into an office that the only other female was the receptionist at the front desk. And the guys weren't that great to her. You know, hey, you go get me a cup of coffee. And what are you doing back here? You know, and then she'd go out on the job and be at construction sites and talking with bulldoze operators and people moving dirt that were like, hey, little Missy, what are you doing here? And, her, her, you know, it was just it was challenging. And she's super smart. I mean, she's way smarter than me, that's for sure. And so her boss gave her some great advice. And that was you're going to have to dazzle them with your brain and your brilliance and prove yourself. Uh, maybe it's not you know, the right thing uh, that you have to do this, but that's how you're going to do it. And that's how she eventually overcame. It sounds like you did the same thing. Sure. And, you know, also, you know, there's very little tolerance in the workplace for the talent, you know, for disrespect and harassment. Yeah. But in the eighties and the nineties, things were a little bit different. There's like zero tolerance, even if it's done in a joking manner. So a lot has changed. In fact, you know, I'm contributing a chapter in an upcoming book on women in STEM and that highlights my journey. Mm. And it also includes essays from other women in the sciences I'm hoping that sharing our stories will inspire and encourage because sometimes it can be discouraging to run up against discrimination in the workplace. Oh, of course. But, you know, it tells a lot, of, a lot of women are telling their stories about how they've overcome it. If you were going to advise a, a young woman who would like to get into the sciences and technology and engineering and so forth, what are some of the things you would advise them to get into the industry and be successful? Well, I think I would advise them to let their knowledge and professionalism define who they are mm-hmm. and how you present yourself. Just stay above the line. You know, respect yourself, set an example, learn as much as you can so that you, you have, you know, the information, do your best and don't be afraid to take on new challenges, you know, even if you get kicked down a couple times. Oh, great advice. You know, one thing I didn't ask you about early on is about 
inspirational people in your life or mentors. Did you have one in your life that was helpful uh, to advance in your career? I actually did. Like I said, you know, I started right out of high school and I'm not all that mechanically inclined. So I did rely on um, a number of mentors throughout my career. And there was one specific um, vice president of sales and marketing. He encouraged me to go to school. We had a great tuition reimbursement program, so I didn't have to pay um, any tuition. I didn't have Whoa, to pay for my books. That's you know? awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but it did take me nine years, as I mentioned before. Well, so, that's okay. Yeah. But also, you know, he gave me the opportunity. I had a lot of um, opportunities for promotions, and I accepted any position that allowed me to learn more and, you know, probably at the time, make a little bit more money as mm -hmm. well. That's another key thing to add to your excellent list of suggestions for people, uh, male or female, is take on other roles. Be, be the person that raises the hand in the office. I can try that. I can do that. I'll help with that. So many people, they trap themselves into a silo and they don't look outside of it, or maybe they don't feel like, well, I can't do that, so I'm not going to raise my hand or offer a suggestion, but it sounds like you did just the opposite. You just kept saying, I can do that. I can do that. I can do that. Yeah. And that's how you get ahead. And at the end of the day, that's what made me a good general manager because I wasn't really a specialist in anything. You know, I worked in accounts receivable. I ran our shipping department where we were, you know, sending the, all the sample bottles out to our customers. You know, I was a data diagnostician. I worked in customer service, you know, so on and so forth. So it just gave me a, a good, broad knowledge of all different aspects of the business. So in the development of Zengen, did gender play any kind of role in that? Well, I, I think that I was, you know, I was part of the team that developed Zengen, and we were very sensitive that to make this product as gender neutral as possible. So we wanted to make it very easy so that, you know, you didn't have to be mechanically inclined to take the sample, you know, that the instructions in the videos were very, um, you know, um, clear. Um, so that, you know, a woman that doesn't, you know, do a lot under the hood of a car could take a sample as easily as somebody that has a little bit more experience. And we also wanted to make the whole user experience friendly, you know, from the way the report is laid out, so on and so forth. And I was part of the team that tested. We, we had a number of different options for drawing samples. We wanted to make it very easy. So I was one of the people that was going to my friend's cars and, and, and checking to see that things worked and that I was able to do it. And I figured if I'm able to do it, anybody's able to do it. <laughs> well, there's certainly enough inept men, maybe I used the wrong word there, <laughs> but you know, that aren't technically inclined that maybe don't ever open the hood of their car. Um, and I'll say that the process, what you've developed there makes it easy for anybody, really. You, you don't have to, to know which end of a screwdriver to use either. So uh, sure. you, you did a great job there. Absolutely. Hey, let's talk about a special vehicle in your life. Is there a special vehicle that stands out? And if so, tell me about that ride. Well, I had a 2008 Infiniti G35 sedan that I bought brand new. And it was my first really nice car. And when I drove it home, I took a turn a little bit too quickly. Uh oh. And I didn't realize how fast that car actually was. <laughs> yeah. And I did a little tailspin. Okay. And I was just like, oh, wow. I didn't, now I know what I got, you know? So it scared me, but it also thrilled me a bit. And um, so, you know, I, I've taken that car on quite a few road trips and tested out the uh, speed. You know, that car is pretty light. Um, it has um, over 300 horsepower and it was extremely zippy. I mean, it gave me whiplash a couple times. So. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, they're fun for sure. My brother-in-law's had a lot of Infinities and really loves those. You know what I remember about Infinity most is when they first came out, those commercials. They were the first car manufacturer to do commercials for a new brand and not show any pictures of the car. Mm. Now, if you remember that, but I did because I was working in advertising and I went, what are these guys doing? How, how are they getting away with this? But the whole idea, since it was a new brand, was to create intrigue, interest, and keep people on the edge going, okay, wh what's the car look like? What's coming? So I think it was an interesting, I don't know who the ad campaign was done by, but I, I found it really interesting. So I'm going to be your automotive psychologist here a little bit, okay? Crawl into your head. Okay. If you were reincarnated, pun intended, or manifest as a vehicle, not what you want to be, but how you perceive the woman in the mirror, who you are deep inside, yeah. what kind of vehicle would Fran be and why? <laughs> it's a scary and interesting <laughs> question. That's why I like to ask it. <laughs> so when I think about my personality, I would describe myself as reserved. Okay. I'm more likely to be listening than talking. Yeah. Um, especially in a social setting, you know, I'd like to observe. Um, I take a little bit of time to warm up to people. However, you know, when it comes to business, I'm pretty much a type A. You know, I like to make quick decisions and move on. I don't have a lot of patience for people that want to overanalyze a situation and drone on and on and on about it. Uh -huh. So the car, I think, um, would be the Mercedes S580 sedan. Ooh, okay. And, and I, I picked it because I think it's reserved and understated. Yeah. And only people that really know what the vehicle is um, understand the value, you know, the power, the refinement. And also, you know, I, I chose the model with the fastest engine so <laughs> I can weave in and out when I need to push through and move on. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, like a four liter V8 in that baby. Um, yeah. Yeah, bi-turbo, pretty powerful car. And, of course, Mercedes is known for, you know, cars built like bricks, rock solid, if you will, um, but having plenty of power, especially for the upper end vehicles. So, uh, uh, yeah, pricey cars, too. So uh, does that mean you're not yeah. a cheap date? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I haven't had a date in so long. I have no idea. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, thanks for letting me poke a little fun there. So how about a great book that you'd like to share with our listeners? So I've been reading The 48 Laws of Power um, by Robert Greene. Okay. And it's kind of a tome and it just has these 48 laws of how people either gain power, keep power or lose power. And they have all kinds of, you know, examples throughout history of different people that have manipulated and yeah. <laughs> done all kinds of things to gain power, but it's very interesting. And, and I think the takeaway that I'm getting from this book is that, you know, even though, you know, time is gone and we've evolved and we have technology, deep down, you know, humans really haven't evolved that much. Um, you know, we still have the constant struggle and there's still that manipulation of people for power. But it's interesting to see the different tactics so that you can be aware of them when you see them. Yeah, absolutely. I've not read that book. I appreciate you bringing something new. I don't believe anybody's recommended that. So I'll add that to the list of guest recommended books. There's a great place on the Car Show website called Guest Recommended Books. Under the Resources tab, there's over 2,000 books listed there with quick, easy clicks to buy. The 48 Laws of Power by Robert Greene. Very cool. Not related to me, though. But, no, uh, but it's spelled the same way with the E at the end. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so let's go on the ultimate drive. I'm going to enable you to have some fun today. I'm going to buy you any car in the world. You can take it in the world, anywhere in the world, and you can be with anybody, even somebody who's passed. 
So what does the ultimate drive look like for a lady who likes fast Mercedes Benz and uh, uh, is always thinking about what is in the engine? So, um, you know, I lost both of my parents in the last five years. Oh, I'm sorry. I know. Yeah, but, you know, and as I mentioned, I was extremely rebellious as a teenager, but I ended up having a very good relationship with my parents as an adult. Glad to hear that. So I'd like the opportunity to take my mother for a ride. Okay. And um, it would be a convertible, probably a Porsche or Mercedes. Okay. So I see myself driving and her sitting in the passenger seat wearing a babushka, you know, so her hair stays in place. Yeah, yeah. And it would be a windy country road with mountains in the backdrop, maybe nice. in her homeland of Slovenia. And they have the Julian Alps um, oh, wow. there. Yeah. And, you know, I know... I've never really talked to her woman to woman, mm -hmm. you know, it's like whenever we talked, it was never anything really deep and personal, but I'd like to ask her about her childhood, you know, what the circumstances were her were for her to emigrate to the U S yeah. you know, about meeting my father. What did she see in him? Yeah. And what her dreams might've been the reality actually was, you know, she was a very strong woman and I just wish I would have, asked her some questions that I never got a chance to ask her. You know, that's very heartwarming and a, a wonderful advice for anybody listening to take the time to do that with a family member, especially parents, because, you know, we grow up and we only know our parents from the time we grew up and they had a whole life before us that many times we just don't ever ask them about. You'd be surprised what you learn when you start asking some of those questions. You might even not like some of the answers because they're like, oh, really? What? But I think you will realize they're a human being too, and it would give you some enlightenment on why they were the way they were because of what they had to experience, especially someone who immigrated here. Yeah, and it was interesting when um, I went to her funeral, you know, her wake, um, some of the fr her friends came up and said, oh, you know, your mother always talked about you, about her daughter that lived in Texas, because my mom, you know, my parents were in Cleveland, Ohio. And it's like, I never really knew, knew that, that. She was that, that she was that proud of me. You know? Yeah. yeah, well, that's, well, this is a great lesson in uh, to teach listeners that communication key and to take the time to do that because we live in such a busy, crazy life that many times we don't take that time. I often thought when I started this podcast, one of my ideas was to do a podcast where you interview elderly people about their life and they could share that with their family. And you would ask them questions that their family would never ask them. Um, still might make for a great idea for a, a podcast. So, well, uh, I don't know. Maybe I, maybe I still do that. Or with the recording devices we have today, sit down and interview your parent. My next door neighbor did that with his mother before he lost her. And uh, yeah, and you have that in perpetuity to share with your children, their children's children, and hear that voice talk about uh, what that person's life was really about. So you, you get you That's offered a great idea. You offered some great ideas for us today. So before I let you go, and you've taken us on a wonderful journey, a wonderful trip here, a lot of education, could you share maybe some words of inspiration, a success quote or piece of advice? Oh, I, I think I gave most of the ones that I was going <laughs> to say, but um, I, I guess my parting um, thought would be don't be afraid to take on new challenges. Challenge yourself. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. That's, I just saw something this morning, somebody posted on Facebook that, uh, the other side of fear is where great things happen. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, don't be afraid. Uh, what, what is the worst that could happen? That's always asked myself. Uh, they say no. Okay. Well, maybe no is just a no today and it's a yes tomorrow. So 
There you go. How can people learn more about and order their Zengen kit? Okay, so my challenge to your listeners is to give Zengen a try. Um, you can find us on www.zenginscore.com. And if anybody wants to reach out to me, um, I'm on LinkedIn. They can find me by searching Fran Christopher and SGS. All right. Awesome. I'll put links to those on Fran Shona's page. Take that challenge. I think you listeners, in fact, I know you listeners are going to find this very intriguing. We know that our Cars Yeah listeners love cars and things like that. So go to Zengin Score. That's Z-E-N-G-I-N-E-S-C-O-R-E.com. I'll put links to that here. And of course, use that code Cars Yeah 20 to get yourself a discount as a little thank you from uh, Fran and I today. Fran, thank you for being so generous with your time and your expertise and for sharing a fascinating life you created for yourself. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you in Zen Nirvana down the road. Thanks, Mark. You're welcome. This was fun. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah! Yeah!